Hello and welcome to our podcast, Public Health Research and Me. This podcast is led by public partners from FUSE, the Centre for Translational Research in Public Health, and brings together the five Northeast Universities of Durham, Newcastle, Northumbria, Sunderland and Teesside in a unique collaboration to deliver world-class research to improve health and well-being and tackle inequalities. FUSE is also a founding member of the NIHR School for Public Health Research. My name is Cheryl Blake and I am a public partner collaborating with FUSE. My interests and specialised subjects are around mental and sexual health, domestic abuse, coercive and violent behaviour and family court and social workers within that system. I support survivors of sexual abuse to help find female empowerment through art, poetry and meditation. I will be talking with Emma Adams who is a NIHR doctoral fellow as well as a FUSE associate member who is based at Newcastle University. Emma also won the FUSE Rising Star Award in 2023. So into the questions Emma. <laughs> so the first question that we've got for you today is can you share with me and our listeners a brief overview of the research that you're working on at the minute? Definitely so um, I guess as, as a start I'm, I'm leading and involved in a lot of different studies um, but most of them tend to be around homelessness and mental health and substance use. I guess the thing that's most interesting to me right now and, and sort of the thing that gets me up each day is my um, National Institute for Health and Care Research Fellowship, um, which is sort of giving me the chance to understand and explore experiences of trauma during homelessness and the impact it has on, on mental health. And I guess with that, it, it's really exciting. It's new for me in that it's across the Northeast of England. So I'm going to be speaking to people in Newcastle, in sort of rural Northumberland, as well as um, some of the more coastal areas um, in the North, which is quite nice. And um, I have the chance to speak to people who experienced homelessness and trauma and just get their thoughts and insights, but then also working with providers to understand what we can do with those thoughts and insights and how we can embed some of that learning in how we deliver care and deliver health and social care more specifically for this population. That sounds very detailed. <laughs> that sounds very detailed and, and I'm just picking up one there um, oddly. Um, how many dialects you're going to end up becoming across <laughs> around the northeast it's going to be very interesting. I know I said to someone the other day like by the time it's done, we'll see what my accent sounds like, <laughs> having listened to all those all those audio files with all those different accents for, for the next three years. Yes, definitely. That'll be very interesting to listen to. So what was it that made you think that you want to help with some of these issues? What was the first thing that set you off? Yeah, so I guess back um, before 2020, I was working in Canada at a mental health hospital. I think working in a mental health hospital, you really sort of saw people when sometimes they're at their lowest and when they're just starting to get help. And I think I was really fortunate because I worked in a place that was full of really amazing people, but I was also given the opportunity to work with a lot of community organizations and sort of help people before they ever came into the hospital. And I started to realize, you know, I think hospitals are great and I think they serve an amazing purpose, but I think at a fundamental level, people could be getting help and support in their communities before they ever get to a stage where they need that hospital stay. Um, and because I worked in a mental health hospital, a lot of the work I did was around homelessness and sort of people who, who use substances. And maybe it's some of those people that often the way our healthcare system set up, they can't always easily access services. And I guess just being able to have that chance to talk to people and understand what was important to them, how to create services for them, 
made me realize that there's a lot more we could be doing earlier on and, and earlier sort of more upstream in public health to really support people as early on as possible. And, and so I guess that's probably why I've, I've ended up at that sort of really early stage of public health research where I'm working in community settings with perhaps maybe non-traditional sort of mental health substance use providers like third sector organizations and, and not always NHS services to really unpack how we can be supporting people in their communities, um, but also maybe recognizing where more statutory services and, and clinicians can come in and, and help people in the community where they feel comfortable. So is it kind of like you're trying to do prevention rather than sort of the cure, shall we say? Is that what you're looking at really? Yeah, I guess ground level. Yeah, I guess it's sort of like understanding, sort of helping people when issues are just starting to emerge or when things are almost maybe something people wouldn't think as a problem, but something that's almost in the back of their mind and almost helping people think to themselves, okay, this is something that could become a bigger problem and, and finding a way so that people are able to get support before things ever really become that really big problem and I guess often when you think of things there's that analogy of like you know people hit rock bottom and I guess I have the philosophy no one should ever hit rock bottom and I think it's about helping people before they hit rock bottom and helping people when they're starting to feel that they're sliding down or even before they slide down so that they're never having to climb back up again it's so that it almost just feels like a little bump in the road versus a big big dip and then this mountain to climb afterwards. Well, it sounds like a very noble thing to do <laughs> if it's as if it's as easy as that <laughs> I was gonna say I think as you say it it's as easy as that it it's probably one of those things that like you know you aspire to do and I think you know if you can just chip away and even even if you can just make a cushion at the bottom I think that's that's more than just letting someone reach there without any help it's true though isn't it everything does sort of pile up one on top of the other and sometimes it might seem you know simple to someone else but to you who might also be carrying 10 other things it's just sometimes just that that one too many and it's great to have someone try and stop that before it happens exactly so um moving on to the next question we've got and it's how is public involvement and engagement being integrated into your research yeah so I guess I always give people the story so when I moved over it was to the UK it was just before COVID and although like my family's from England I didn't really know nearly as much about England as, as I thought I did I didn't understand any of the slang I still to this day struggle with some of the Geordie dialect yeah. and I think I got here and I remember going to Primark and being like I have no idea what that person just said to me and I think that sort of really shaped my realization of like I'm probably not the best person to be doing this on my own. And I think that was something I learned when I worked in practice. It's always better to work with the people who you're interested in working with versus going to people saying, this is something you should do. Instead going, I think we maybe want to do something about this. How do we do that? And so I guess I was really fortunate because um, when I moved over, I had the opportunity to get like an early career researcher award through the School for Public Health Research and was able to do a study looking at access to mental health and substance use for people experiencing homelessness during COVID. And I worked with people who had lived experience of homelessness, mental health and substance use just to make sense of all the interviews that I did. 
And I think it was so rewarding because like there were so many things that would have been so far over my head and like just certain words I wasn't expecting. And I think that really for me was that turning point of like, okay, this is not a one-off thing. This is something I'm doing with everything moving forward. And I think that that's just really become become the norm for me. And so I said to someone the other day, I don't even necessarily think about it as something separate to the work I do. It's just it's just the work that I do and it's just part and parcel of it. And I couldn't imagine my work being anything else than that. And I guess now it's, it's evolved a lot more. So like I have one project where I've worked with people from the very beginning. So we've worked together to identify the issue. I developed the, the protocol and it's a review. So like what we were going to review the inclusion criteria and some of what we were going to unpack. And then I've forcibly perhaps dragged people through the review process and did training on how to screen for reviews and do those different stages and so I think what started at the beginning is just trying to make sense of things has now become this process where like from the very beginning I'm working with people and I'm never doing something by myself I'm working with people across the process and I think that's been so useful because it it makes makes the journey a lot more fun but I also think it just gives a bit of reassurance as you go along that what you're doing is actually going to be helpful and it's actually something that matters to people who have that lived experience. So have you been able to see, you know, kind of the character arc really, <laughs> one of a better word, have you been able to see sort of the change from start to, well, not probably not finished, but, you know, their sort of story um, as it sort of plots out? Yeah, I've noticed a, a big change in me in terms of at the very beginning when I, I first started doing it. I remember just like sitting before my first meeting with people with lived experience on one of my studies and just being ill with stress and being <laughs> like, I have no idea how this is going to go. What if they don't like me? What if they don't like the research? What if I say something wrong? And I think like all those insecurities of like, oh God, am I going to say something wrong? Is this going to go terribly? Is this a huge mistake? I think a lot of those insecurities have gone away. And I think now for me, at least, I know I'm not perfect, but I also probably acknowledge that. And so like, although I've worked quite closely with a few people now and they know me quite well, I always say, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this is going to be the best approach, but we're going to figure it out together and muddle our way through. And like, if we don't like it, that's fine. We can change it. And like, I think that's been really nice for me, but I also think having the confidence to say, when I go in and give presentations to actually say to people, you know, I don't want to do this by myself. I think I need to have one of the people who's worked with me along the way so they can talk to it as well. Whereas maybe at the beginning, I might've been a bit scared to sort of stand up for that and say, this is, this is really important for me. And I really want their voice alongside mine. And like, I think that now is, is a lot easier. And I think like a good example was I had a conference last month where I co-presented and I didn't even introduce the presentation. The person who co-presented with me did the introduction and sort of said, you know, we're here today to have this conversation. I'm Jeff and, and this is Emma. And <laughs> I said to someone, it was perfect because I didn't have to then do that, that initial introduction. And we like, just had to <laughs> exactly. And we just had that nice back and forth. And I think even with the people who I've worked with, it's been really nice just to see how at the beginning, I think they were also nervous on like, what can, can't we tell Emma? Is she going to tell us to go away if we, if she tells us something we don't like to now where they just go, no, Emma, that's a bad idea. Or like, that's not going to work. And I think having that relationship, but also building that relationship has been so rewarding because I know I now have people around me who have that lived experience that'll hold me accountable 
and that'll also tell me they won't tell me what I want to hear but they'll tell me what I need to hear and often those are actually quite nice things but often it's also things that can be quite challenging but things that I think you need to be challenged on and I think having people that are willing to do that is is just essential to my process now it's quite a refreshing change really isn't it for you and also for you know like the service users as well for, for both sides to have that experience exactly so you've kind of touched on it actually but the next question we've got is could you tell us what's been the most standout factors for you personally and for the research in general that has given you a new insight and knowledge and helping move things forward yeah so I guess one of the biggest things that always surprised me is like how much people tell me like no one ever asks how I'm feeling and like I think often because like my work is is all normally with people who've who've experienced or are currently experiencing homelessness and and that's just that's not specific to rough sleeping because I think there's such a broader definition it's inclusive to people who might be hopping from couch to couch staying with friends or in sort of unstable accommodation where they don't know if they have somewhere safe to stay the next day I think so much of those conversations tend to be focused on like there's a problem here and tell me like can I get your housing sorted can I do this can I do that and I think oftentimes you get so much more when you just sort of say like hey how's it going and I think I I laugh because like in a few too many places I'm known as the person that constantly brings baked goods to places <laughs> I think you get so much more after like from talking to someone with a cup of coffee and, and a cookie and a cake or a piece of apple I always have I always have fruit now because I'm very aware as someone who works in public health like yes. sugar is probably not the best thing but just having that chance to actually just sit and talk to someone and, and hear about them then means that you can actually ask some of those questions and get some of those answers and people feel a lot more comfortable sharing those answers so it it puts people on a sort of equal even keel really doesn't it yeah and I think it's even just that thing of like you know it's it's sometimes just meeting people where they are like if I was Mm. sitting in in a university and like at at my normal job and someone just came to my desk and started bombarding me with questions I find it really stressful but like if someone said to me Emma do you want to just grab a cup of coffee I had a couple questions that's yeah. completely different I'd feel completely comfortable and so it makes complete sense that others would feel com- more comfortable doing that than me just going okay I've got these questions I'm going to ask them to you now and and I think that's maybe one of the things that's really stood out for me and, and shaped the research is how much some of those smaller gestures make sense and I still remember during COVID I did data collection over the phone and I hand wrote thank you cards for people and put the vouchers in to mail them out and someone called my research phone to thank me for a handwritten note and they were like I've put it on my wall like I've never got a thank you note before I've never had a handwritten note and I hung up the phone and just started to cry because it was like I didn't think anything of it 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 was just a thank you note and I thought you know I've got to send the voucher anyways I'll just put a little card in there and it was something so small that cost me next to nothing in terms of time and even money and it just made such a difference to that person and even now like there's people who see me when they hear me because my voice is different enough and um, they'll go I remember you you wrote me a card or or I remember you you showed me such and such and I think that to me is that moment of like oh my god like you know I I'm terrible with faces and names but like this person has remembered me and like that just boggles my mind because it's three years later and people still remember who you are from those small gestures it sort of makes it more of a personable experience but it, it's also just having the humanity 
and just showing that there's you know underneath it all just spreading the love around you know <laughs> it's just it's just so nice but I mean particularly in the time of COVID obviously like we all sort of experienced that we all wanted to make everyone else feel better but I think it's important to continue it because um you know just because COVID's not as big as it was doesn't mean you can't still send a little note yeah, <laughs> and handwritten notes <laughs> yeah and even just like meeting someone part way I think I was talking to someone the other day and like they had their dog with them and they were like are you okay if like my dog just sits with us while we talk and I was like of oh. course I love dogs like <laughs> please this will make my day and like you know afterwards he's like thanks so much for telling me I could sit and talk with my dog and and I was like oh my god yeah of course and he goes so many people would say like no and I just thought well it was no bother to me I mean I understand a lot of people can be really scared of dogs I'm at the opposite end where like I love them but I thought you know it was something so small and he he just sort of left the conversation and was like I really enjoyed chatting and I was like well I'm I'm here every Thursday like if ever you just want to come by and have a cup of coffee I'm I'm here and I think that was just yeah it was just really nice and I think it's it's those memories that I think sort of not only shape my research but like keep me going each week because yeah. I think you have bad weeks and you have good weeks and I think it's it's those positive things that just keep you chugging along so you're finding the the that sort of thing is well like you say it's, it's keeping you going along but do you find it more sort of rewarding than just doing normal you know sit at a desk kind of research yeah so I think I said to someone like I will I will always prefer having conversations than doing paperwork and um, I think there's times and place and I do see the point of paperwork and I think you know I I love when I get to get in the meat of things and like analyze my data but I think being able to sit and actually talk to people and hear people's stories mm. that's that's almost what gets me up each day and that's what like pushes me through weeks when like maybe I've, I've had a few rejections or I've had some feedback from journals I think those weeks are always really hard but I sort of sit there and go you know it's fine because like I will think back to like that moment the week before where I was having a coffee with someone and we were laughing over something crazy ridiculous or like um just yeah just some of those more fun fun times but then it's also that thing of I know I can always go back to places like that and have those conversations and it sort of I guess grounds me a bit as a researcher I think someone said to me once like you know I mean you might you might do all this research, but I know way more on this topic than you do. And I said, yeah, you definitely do. And you probably always will. And that's one of those things where like, I think when you're actually talking to people on a daily basis, it sort of keeps you grounded, reminds you, you don't know everything and mm -hmm. reminds you maybe why you do what you do. I'm just thinking, you know, from, from my point of view, um, as sort of, you know, the service user over the years of variant things, you know, um, how important that is from my side of it as well like you're saying it's from the researcher side but like you've said you know these people that are coming to you or you're coming to them you know they're they're getting as much like enjoyment out of it as you are and and I've definitely felt the same and I think the way forward is definitely having public interaction with like researchers and things that definitely gives everything a refreshing pace I also think like just makes people less scary like I think someone the other day was like said to me you're not a real researcher like you're not like the normal ones at the university and I thought I'm going to take that as a compliment and <laughs> someone I thought was like that is such a compliment they were like in that they don't they're not afraid of you they see you as someone that they can be comfortable with and I said to someone like that's all I could ever want like I never want to have a conversation with someone and someone leave it thinking oh my gosh this person just took everything from me and I didn't get anything from it and I think that's where 
you know, having those conversations where people leave it feeling like maybe I didn't get that mental health help, but I had someone listen to me for 30 minutes. And that was way more rewarding than me just sitting at home by myself. And I think that's really important. And I think that's the, as you say, hopefully the way forward for quite a few people. As we're talking about all these, this lovely interaction that we have with ABEs, which by the way, is educator by experience, or some people say expert by experience. I personally prefer educator. I mean, I would like to think I'm an expert in some things, but <laughs> I go with educator because to me, um, as an ABA, when I've helped out at the university, the students have said to me, um, and like I'm sure people have said to you, you know, you do feel like you're being educated and you do feel like they're helping you learn things because it's just a a different way of doing things I've never been asked before as sort of you know Joe public what's your opinion on this you normally just handed things but having the ABAs working alongside the universities alongside FUSE and NHS and public health it's just it's amazing being able to have that I'm trying to think of the word just that extra aspect of purity and help rather than just being handed things. So with your acquired awareness from speaking directly to these lovely EBAs, <laughs> how can we improve things for people experiencing homelessness? Yeah, so I guess the big one, which like I feel like so obvious, is just talking to people who have experienced and are currently experiencing homelessness. I think like my work would be nothing if I did it in my office by myself, not talking to people. And I think it's one thing to interview people for a a study or do like a survey with people, but I think it's a step further and it's talking to people about how you do that, what you do with that information afterwards, how you make sense of it. I think the other thing is this element of like so much around homelessness is this thing of like, it, it should only ever be a short period of someone's life. And like, no one should ever experience homelessness, but unfortunately a lot of people do. Mm. And I think it's that element of making it a small portion of their life journey and not a large portion. And I think people maybe experience rough sleeping, get accommodated, but end up back on the streets for a, a whole host of different reasons. And a lot of times completely out of their control. And I think really there should be more of an effort made to make sure that when someone experiences homelessness, they never experience it again yeah and I think what that looks like will vary by person to person and I think that's where working with people who have that lived experience is really the only way we're gonna we're gonna do anything about that and and help people when they're homeless to make sure that they they get the support they need so that they can have the best life that they want and achieve everything they want to achieve and I think you know we will never know what what people want to achieve and I think we might have different things that we want to achieve and I think that's where working with people collectively to find ways so that people have the life they want to have whatever that looks like. I know you've um, mentioned in our previous conversations that we've had you know you that you help out at the homeless shelter um, and how, how like rewarding that's been for you to be able to sort of be on that level of things um, and I think it's it's the same thing really isn't it that just a bit to for you to be able to talk to them and them to be able to talk to you and and make it personable rather than just a statistic to actually be able to help someone and talk to them direct and and but like you said before you know some of them have said that they don't even feel heard or no one asks how they are so the fact that you're being able to come in to do that is just it's 
well it's pretty groundbreaking really (laughs) and I think like I am so fortunate in that like the place I spend a day a week at the Joseph Cowan Center which is is run by Tyne Housing and they graciously let me go there a day a week and I think spending a day a week there I see some amazing people helping people I said to someone the first day I was there I was so shocked at just like the banter and like just the relationships that were formed between people and just the familiarity of someone going like, I think I went on a Monday or a Friday and and every person that came in towards the end of the day was going, have a nice weekend, see you on Monday. And I thought like, that is so nice. Like I, you maybe see that occasionally at the office, but like I would very rarely expect a stranger to ever say to me while I'm yeah. in the grocery store, hey, have a nice weekend. Like that's just not a thing that happens. And I just thought it was so lovely. And I thought, like you know there's people that are coming in there that have these relationships and are actually probably giving people that that connection they need and like you know I think part of that is just their personalities and just how wonderful and caring they are but I think that's only possible because they're sitting there thinking okay we're not going to judge people for the situation they're in like and I think you know they they have a lot of safety processes in place to make sure people are kept safe but they're there with the idea of we're not here to judge whatever that person needs we're going to see if we can support them in that and I think that's such a beautiful thing it is definitely it's a beautiful way of going forward and hopefully may it long continue yeah (laughs) (laughs) so you've mentioned that you've worked in different roles around the world did you find that there's a combined run factor that links all these challenges people are faced with and are there any common answers to the problems it's such a good question and I think like I've been really fortunate and I recognize the privilege I've had to have lived in a variety of places and done research throughout from Norway which is like I think probably like almost a gold standard for healthcare um, to places like Sri Lanka, Canada, and, and even being involved in uh, studies around the US. And I think something that's always been really obvious to me is how important it is that when you're doing research, you understand the context and, and almost the the entire environment that surrounds the area you're doing. And I think it, it comes back to that idea of like, I do research in the Northeast of England. I I live in the Northeast of England. When I first came here, there was a lot of things that went over my head just because I didn't know all the references. I still don't know all the references, (laughs) but I'm, I'm getting a lot closer and I'm learning a lot of the slang along the way. And I think being able to be part of those communities and understanding that a bit more is is Mm -hmm. so important. I think, especially when we think about issues around inequalities Mm -hmm. and even like topics that are often stigmatized or marginalized, I think being able to be part of a community helps to unpack a bit more about why some of those things exist, but also some of the stigma that's around there. And I guess the other thing is, which sort of is part and parcel of understanding the context, is that very rarely do things happen on their own. I'd love to meet the person that like only has one one challenge in their life like that that's very rarely the case people are balancing so many different things and dealing with so many different things and I think you know people deal with different things and very rarely is it just just one thing and I think there's that Mm -hmm. element of having that recognition that when you're talking to someone about their mental health or, or in my case, sometimes substance use that doesn't happen as a standalone. Like very rarely am I talking to someone who only has sort of challenges with their mental health. There's normally something else. And I think that's something that transcends no matter where you are, that you can't just look at one issue. You almost need to have a conversation and, and understand 
sort of everything that's going on in that person's life because that then helps helps unpack some of the issues that people are having. With the experience from your research and time spent with EBEs and community-based projects, what do you think has been the most rewarding and heartwarming memory personally? And have you had any positive feedback from the people that you work with? I think for me, it's those conversations that are had over coffee and cake. I have what I call like mini end of study parties. We all get together, have some coffee, cake, sandwiches, and talk about what we like, talk about our favorite moment from the studies. And I think that's that's some of the best memories. But then I also think it's it's those small things. Like I still remember one of the Christmas times when I've been working with people and someone had got me like a Christmas card and I was like oh my god like completely shell-shocked and in it they were like you know thank you so much for everything you've done this year you've really made my year and you gave me something to get up for and look forward to I said to someone I'm like if I get nothing else this year that's a success and I think it's it's those moments like I think as a researcher there's a lot of focus on academic outputs like Mm. like blogs and, and journal articles and conferences and I said to someone you know like you can win prizes and awards on that and I think that's really rewarding because it can be about how how amazing your research is, how excellent, how novel and innovative it is, which I never know what those words mean, but they always seem to be in the title <laughs> for awards. But I think it's those, it's those actual things where someone says, you know, because of you, I'm going back to school or be- because of you, I decided to apply for a job or because of you, I'm, I'm going to do this now. That to me is like the best thing that could ever happen because like, those are the things that are almost immeasurable of the difference it's had, but you can actually sit there and go, wow, just the interactions I've had with this person has, has made a big difference to them. I mean, they make a big difference to me in that, like... No, I can say. Yeah, <laughs> so like, it's so warm and smiley, and, it, and that, I guess, sort of proves it, really, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's just as important. Yes, you've got all your facts, figures, and numbers, but to have that sort of personable experience where you're just helping one another out and being kind and... Yeah, again, being human, I suppose. (laughs) Which areas of research would you like to see being developed further? Yeah, so I think, like, especially when we think about homelessness, there's this big push around integrated health and social care. And I think that's amazing. And, like, especially having spent time in this drop-in centre that sort of does that integration element at a single point, like, I'm so excited for it. But I guess with it, I think it's, like, some thoughtful research on, like, what needs to be integrated together and how it's integrated because I think like you know it it comes back to that idea of like how do you define integration and I think that's so hard Mm -hmm. and I think there's some really interesting stuff right now around how people are going to work with people with lived experience to create those integrated systems and I think that makes me really excited just to see where that's going to go and and to see the path of that because I think you know that's probably where we can where we can learn the most and I think you know selfishly I am just really happy that that's something people are looking to do during COVID there was some integration of housing and health Mm. services through the everyone in initiative for people who experienced homelessness and I thought that was such a beautiful thing because for like this blissful time period nobody was on the streets and like you know it wasn't perfect it was not without its fault by any means but there was this understanding that like we can do something about the housing element of this problem. And now there's almost this thing of like, 
hey, we've we've done it before. Let's do it. Let's do it better. And let's oh, help people. I thought, I thought it was amazing when all of a sudden they were like, right, we're going to do this. And I was just like, wow, like, what, why, why can't we do this normally? <laughs> exactly. And I think that's like, I think that's what excites me is it's like, obviously, it's something that people have thought and gone, we can do something about it. And I think this integration element, if it is done right, mm-hmm. will be amazing. And, you know, like, maybe it means... I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years down the line, that almost this idea of services not being integrated seems archaic and seems like something that should have never, like was never happening. And I think that's where, you know, there could be a lot of research done around that, um, but also around understanding what the experience of being homeless is like and and how people experiencing different types of homelessness have different issues and, and sometimes common issues and how we can create services that make sure people get the support they need for any any challenges or any needs that they have sounds like a dream come true right <laughs> live in hope I think that's like blue sky dream right there yeah, exactly well uh, <laughs> on that if you had one message for our listeners to take away what would it be so I guess the one thing I would want people to take away is that really anyone can become homeless so many people are only one or two paychecks away and Although we know some common causes for why people become homeless, we'll never know that person's reason because it's individual. And I think, you know, there's that idea of understanding why someone's become homeless, but also then, you know, being homeless isn't fun. And there'll be so many other things going on there. And I think if we just have a bit of self-awareness to realize it's probably not a situation you'd wish on anyone and giving people a bit of respect and saying, you know, that's a really bad situation to be in. And like, it might mean that someone may be a bit, bit aggressive or a bit loud or, or, you know, might be having a bad day, but like, I'd be having a bad day if I was in that situation too. And I think there's just that element of, you know, giving people that bit of common decency to say, I don't know why you've ended up like this, but it could easily happen to me. And I'm I'm going to treat you with the respect and dignity that you deserve. And that means, you know, making sure you have support that you maybe needed, which led to you becoming homeless, mm-hmm. but also making sure that whatever has gone on while you've experienced homelessness, you have the right support to help someone move on from that. Cause like being homeless is, can be quite traumatic and, and really negative. And I think there needs to be a lot more there around how we help people process that experience and how we help people move on from that and and move on in such a way that you know they can they can have a place to call home and, and they can live the best life that they want some very wise words there so I would like to thank you Emma for our lovely chat today it's been very interesting and as always I want to delve more into everything we do because <laughs> you seem to have led such an interesting life and um, I just, I love listening to you. Stories are fascinating. The way you see things is fascinating and incredibly refreshing. And I wish you the best and hope it all keeps coming to fruition. Thanks, Cheryl. I was going to say, I imagine this will not be the last time we have a conversation. <laughs> Hopefully next time though, it's over coffee and cake or fruit. Gotta, <laughs> offer, gotta, offer, gotta offer the healthy option as well. <laughs> 
If you've been a fan of our Public Health Research and May podcast, please subscribe on your preferred streaming platform and let us know how we are doing with the rating or review and share with your friends, families, colleagues and networks. And don't forget to check out our website, which is www.fuse.ac.uk. And we're also on social media and Twitter is where we post most. So please be sure to follow along and keep up with everything that we are planning going forward. Thank you.